This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. a very good evening and welcome into SENZ. Mark Watson with you through to 8.30 as we count down to live coverage of the semi-final of the T20 Cricket World Cup. It is Pakistan taking on New Zealand. Fingers crossed, hopefully, hopefully we can get the job done and meet either England or India in another ICC World Cricket Final. It's been a wonderful run over the last six or seven years. Been finalists in the Previous T20 Cricket World Cup, lost to Australia. Been finalists in the previous two one-day World Cups. Again, having lost both. We did win the World Test Championship. But it perhaps didn't resonate with New Zealanders as much as perhaps winning a one-day World Cup would have done for the fact Test Cricket World Championship is very much in its infancy. We'll probably appreciate that achievement 20, 30, 40 years from now. I've said this for a long time, that New Zealand cricket, when you actually look at it, have still been the great underachievers of New Zealand sport because we actually haven't actually won anything. We've come close, but we still actually haven't won anything. And when I look back, In my lifetime, the greatest moment in New Zealand cricket for me was winning the series in Australia in 1985. I think the first test win in England in the mid-1980s was really special. The test series in England in 1999 was also special. Other victories over Australia in test cricket resonate because Australia are the all-black equivalent in cricket. There's an arrogance about them, and beating them does create a real sense of nationalism. But wouldn't it be great if we could finally, finally win one of the big ones, win this T20 Cricket World Cup? We take on Pakistan. I was at Eden Park in 1992 when... In Zimbabwe, Huck destroyed Chris Harris. Martin Crow scored 91. I think most of us felt that New Zealand was going to win that game and 
till a 19-year-old and Zamam al came to the wicket. It was still a wonderful World Cup. Pakistan would go on and win that Cricket World Cup. Imran Khan would captain the side, and of course Imran Khan recently, the deposed Prime Minister of Pakistan, and recently, in fact only last week, an assassination attempt on his life. It's a small world, it's a remarkable world. Over the next hour and a half, we do count down to that semi-final of the T20 Cricket World Cup. Joining me first up tonight on the programme is cricket commentator Garth Galloway. Garth, good evening, welcome. Good evening, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying your, your flashback to 1992 and some of those earlier test series as well. I, I remember Crow went off the field, didn't he? And John Wright, I think, took over the captaincy on the field. Um, but that was a game I think New Zealand should have won. And it, it, it's one that, um, as you say, it was a great tournament, but it sort of sticks in the core a bit, and there are some parallels tonight. <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely. And uh, let's just hope we can, you know, let's just hope that we can get off to a good start and get it done. Look, look just on that, Garth, I mean, your father was one of the great um, cricket commentators, Ian Galloway. You yourself um, are very much a, a student of the game. I, I think you're an historian of the game. What, what do you believe New Zealand's finest moments have been in cricket across the different forms? Um, well, well, <clears throat> well, I think you've mentioned them. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously the first test won against Australia, 74 here, against a, a pretty good Australian side when uh, Glenn Turner scored 100 in each innings. You know, that, that was a remarkable effort by Turner. And uh, up until that stage, you know, you'll remember that uh, New Zealand, you know, basically we play on Australia B side for a lot of the time. And then, you know, that, that really did transform things and turn things. I think that first win in 1978 at the Basin Reserve against England uh, you know when, when again John White was was out caught down the league side. I think first ball off Willis and went on to get 58 in his first test, uh, and that was a crucial innings. But again, those are the things, those are the matches that I remember listening to on a on a radio from afar. And um, and you know that one we were all allowed to have our radios in the classroom when England were when New Zealand were calling towards that victory. I think they needed to pick up a couple of wickets the next day, the last day, uh, at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. Mm. So those ones, I think that series win that you you talk about in Australia, that was a terrific achievement. And and if you look at it, um, you know the the, the really the the team was built around uh, Crow, who, who was a, a wonderful Test player, a graceful batsman, you know, terrific player really, and. And, and Richard Hadley, uh, the great Sir Richard Hadley. And, and if you look at his record, you know, 431 test wicket, wickets. And, and he, he got a lot of test wickets overseas. He got test wickets in the subcontinent. He was a terrific player, Hadley. Uh, you know, one of the true greats of the game. And, you know, I always remember thinking when he retired, what, what would happen with test cricket? Would it be worth watching? And, of course, it was going to be worth watching. But uh, we missed him. He, he had to, you know, he always had the ball on the string. He was an extraordinarily intelligent beautiful bowler so those are the you know those are the sort of the ones that I think about I always find it a bit harder to think about 50 over games in 2020 cricket you know in terms of mm. the great victories and um, there have certainly been some great series uh, you know the Chapel Hadley series against Australia when uh, when McCullum was going crazy and and the, and the series in England against England when you know 300 was was an average sort of score and both sides were fighting at each other mm. and England ch- changed the way that they played the game after that mark um, completely they dared to believe and New Zealand taught them how so th- those are the sorts of things I think of but but you know turning to to what's going to happen tonight it uh, you know it's it's almost to, 
I feel like both games are, t- are too close to call, mm. if that makes sense. I, yeah. I really think they're tight. We see in T20 cricket, I mean, it's a little bit of a game of chances, isn't it? I, I sort of reckon it a little bit like tennis. If you made just tennis one set, the likes of Federer and Nadal would lose a lot more. Um, their record would be considerably uh, lower in terms of winning percentage than what it actually is. And so how much credibility and how much legacy can we really take from winning a T20 Cricket World Cup, say, versus winning the one-day World Cup? That, that's a really interesting question, and, and I'm not sure I have the answer for you, but um, I, I think the players would, would take either of those happily. And I think when we look back over time, and, and T20 cricket is going to be part of the cricketing future. There's no question about that. It's here to stay. I'm not so sure about 50-over cricket, even though you and I have talked before, that I think that's it's kind of a better challenge. Uh, there's less uh, luck involved and a little bit more uh, of moving the chess pieces around because the game's played for a bit longer. Um, but T20, yeah, look, I, look I, I think it creates a legacy. I think if New Zealand are able to get through to the final today, that, that's something of a legacy. If they're able to win it, it's undoubtedly so. And and I think younger cricket fans, um, you know, they are much more familiar with the various mm. statistics, the hitting power, you know, the bowling and so on. Uh, so, so whereas I'm, you know... Mm. Uh, understand the test cricket and the stats around that so uh, yeah I, I mean I think it's important it's very important and you can rest assured that New Zealand will be giving their guts out there and they've played very well they deserve to be in the final if, if we were to win this would it be the greatest achievement in New Zealand cricket personally I don't think it is but do, do you no, think that no, would be seen that way because I, I do go back to 85 and I still believe that the pinnacle for New Zealand cricket should be winning test series in Australia that to me should be the pinnacle that should be our Olympic Games sadly taking 9 for 52 and 85 uh, they're the pinnacle moments for me. Um, so I'm just trying to sort oh, that of... Was a, yeah, that was a good Australian side, captained by Border, uh, you know, and and some very good cricketers in that Australian side. And they were they were completely outplayed by a magnificent New Zealand team. Um, no, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think it would be the greatest achievement at all. I think it's just a, a little bit too hit and miss. But again, if they, if they got there, I wouldn't want to downplay it either, Mark, because it, it's obviously important. The players are trying hard. It's important to them. It's a world title. Um, and so, you, you know, you, you, you would never seek to downplay it, but I think you're entitled to make comparisons. Mm. And if you do that, then I think, you know, for me, the longer version of the game is always going to be tougher, harder, mentally more challenging, physically more challenging. And so the outcomes are more important. Yeah, I'm just trying to run through this side and remember which players actually played and arguably the greatest one-day game ever played, and that was that 2019 uh, one day World Cricket Cup final, uh, which we ended up losing yeah. on a bowl off. But we've got Southie, we've got Bolt, I think Kane yeah. Williamson, James Neesham was part of that. Um, Southie and Bolt are playing, in their, are playing in their fourth World Cup final tonight. So, so they, sorry, they played in four World Cup finals. So yeah. that's not bad. H- how important is that experience? I mean, I often say that you have to learn how to lose to learn how to win. Um, having lost, having had that adversity, is that now. Is that now a strength for our guys, or is that a mental block? <laughs> That's a, yeah, another good question. I'm not, and, and again, um, I mean, they go into this. You know, they've lost. They they played very well against Australia, and um, and you know, I thought they were terrific in that game. And then they've kind of. It just seems to me they've regressed a little bit. Um, they, they they haven't gone out there with that same degree of confidence and the chest puffed out and so on. Um, how much does it does it help that they've been in those situations before? I mean, I think you know you learn from them, so of course it should help. And and, and the pain of of losing 
should be a great motivator. But interestingly, if you look at Pakistan, though, and you think about what Matthew Hayden will be saying to them tonight, I mean, they were out of the tournament. They lost to India. They lost to Zimbabwe. They were spluttering along. And, uh, you know, I suspect that they had their bags packed and were ready to go home. And then suddenly the Netherlands beat South Africa and Pakistan are in. So it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the game in terms of their mindset, because this is like a, um, you know, a chance of another life that they just didn't have. And if they play with a freedom that is that is represented by those circumstances, then I think they could be really dangerous. Um but because they've looked uptight and uneasy, you know, and, and they, they, of course, had that series that you and I talked about over here with mm. Bangladesh before they went away. And they played well and they looked better than New Zealand at that stage. So, I, you know, it, it, it really intrigues me the way that they've, um, that they've, they've got there. And it, they, should be, they should really be feeling that they've got nothing to lose. And that makes them very mm. dangerous, I think. They're conservative, though, Mark. You know, if you look yeah. at how they... Uh, you, you saw Sri Lanka against New Zealand and the spin bowlers just having um, Allen and Williamson and Conway and knots really. And, you know, New Zealand were in big trouble in that game and they should have been 29 for four. Phillips should have been caught out and then went on to get that magnificent 100. But New Zealand could have been in real trouble. Pakistan don't tend to play the spin bowlers at the top of the order. They don't tend to bowl them, which is interesting. Um, you know, against New Zealand, I think I'd be doing that because I don't think Allen and Conway have shown themselves to be good players of spin under pressure. Mm. The other thing that I think is really interesting about New Zealand is they've only bowled five overs, uh, five bowlers throughout the tournament. Now, no other side's done that. Uh, you know, Southie, Santner, Sodi, Bolt and Ferguson have, have played in all four games and they're the only bowlers who have bowled. So, uh, you know, no, no Chapman, no Mitchell, no Nisham, no Phillips, no Williamson, no one else has bowled. That means to me, that's risky, I think. It's not a, I'm weary of that. And... Uh, if they, if, if Pakistan are able to target a couple of New Zealand bowlers, then you, you know we haven't got many options. If we bat first and we rely on Finn Allen sort of come in and adopted the role of a Brendan McCullough, McCullum very much the attacking player, Devin Conway just a little bit more measured but explosive in his own right. If we lose Finn Allen early, do we change the batting order out and bring Glenn Phillips and rather than Kane Williams so that we so that at least we do try and get off to a good start, that at least we still maintain that sort of attacking mentality? Because there's a danger here that if we lose Finnellan early, Kane Williamson comes out. And Kane Williamson, we all know, look, he's a conservative player. We know that he's a stroke maker. He's not a natural T20 attacking player. That there's a chance we could get ourselves into a little bit of a hole. Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, again, you know, I think Phillips has been our best asset batting at four. So, um, the idea of bringing him in early would would just you know would worry me. I mean, I think Allen is. Going, I'm sure he's going to play the same way that he has all tournament. I know people love him, but uh, and I think he will be a, a massive part of white ball cricket in New Zealand in the future. His innings against Australia was good, 42 off uh, 16, I think. But but I want to see him. You know, I know he goes out there and blasts and things, but tonight is a game under a lot of pressure and, and I, you know, I want to see him succeed and to get a big score. You know, this is, it's, it's a critical game for New Zealand and, and Alan has to step up and score runs. And so it's a real test. Okay, so, but how does, how does he, how does he do that though? I mean, he seems to have a bit of a, a McCullum about him. I mean, you're sort of saying that perhaps you, I'm sort of sensing you're saying that you perhaps him like to be a little bit more measured, but th- does that not then put you in two minds on how we need to play this game? Is there not a danger in that? 
Well, well, I think that, that there's a risk in changing the way you, you, you the, the way you go ahead go about it. So what I'm saying here is I don't think he is going to change the way he goes about it. And 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 at, at this stage of the tournament, having played in one way all the way through, then it would be risky to do it. But again, so so what I'm saying, I suppose, when I look towards the future, if he succeeds tonight and scores 40 or 50 at a good clip, then then you say, well, it, you know, it's it's probably worth taking the risk. But if he doesn't, then he does have to think about being a bit more measured. To answer your question about Williamson and why I wouldn't change him, is I think Williamson, um, you know, his only his strike rate went up against Ireland. I don't place too much on that. And and for most of the time, he's been going at a runner ball. If you've got Conway at one end and Williamson, then I think that's okay. Phillips coming in next. And I think Williamson is a good enough player to to accelerate if he has to. What we'd love to see him do if he gets 20 from 20, say, is to then end up with, uh, you know, with 50 from 35 or something, or 70 from 45. It's just just having, but, but at times with wickets falling early, he has been caught in that area where um, he's caught in between. Does he throw his does he throw his wicket away and chance his arm, or does he just stay there and play the measured role? I've actually been I, I've been pretty happy with them playing that measured role because they've been winning. Um, so, you know, I, I think it works. I think it's a nice spoil. What's the role of Daryl Mitchell in this side? How does Daryl Mitchell bat? Oh, it always depends on the circumstances. Um, but again, you know, he's he's a good striker. Um, I mean, if, if if he goes in and New Zealand are three down for not many, then he's going to have to, to, to change his game. I, I like Mitchell because I do think he can play uh, both styles of games. So in other words, if New Zealand needs someone to, to knock the ball around, to, to push for fast runs and all of those things, or to get out there and bash it, I think he can do both of those things. Not everyone can do that. So... You know, he, he will assess the game situation and he'll go from there. And then, then I think you've got in Nisham um, a very, you know, potentially a very potent finisher. hasn't hasn't really shown us all of that uh, throughout the World Cup, but I do think he's a player who's capable mm. of going in and say the 18th over and and really, uh, you know, closing out a few sixes. So he's useful. Mm. I mean, this this New Zealand side's done very well. Um, another interesting stat, Mark, that I was looking at today. Because, again, when we look at the New Zealand bowling, I mean, I think Santner has just been fantastic. He's taken eight wickets at 12 and an economy rate of 6.43. They've all actually done really well. Ferguson's been a little bit more expensive, but they've all done well, and their records are quite similar. But Santner's only bowled seven seven balls to left-handers, and there's a nice article on, on Crick Info talking about, um, you know, a couple of uh, the Pakistan left-handers, uh, Shan Masood, who's had a good tournament, and Mohamed Nazwar, and will they look to target him? So there are some nice little individual mm. matches in this game as well. Yeah, I want to ask about Lockie Ferguson because, look, you look at Salvi and he's sort of more your traditional line and length type bowler. He reminds me a little bit at times of a Glenn McGrath he's, or a bit more of a Richard Hadley, but we've seen this real shift to sort of towards pure, pure pace. And Lockie Ferguson brings that. Um, but as you said, he's been a little bit expensive. So what is the... Why Lockie Ferguson? Why do you have him in your side? What what, what does he bring? Uh, well, he I mean he brings that the raw power, which is which is fantastic. I mean, again, just to, to come back to your but, comment, but, but, about, but is that but is that a, is that that's just almost the norm though? Now, there's, is, is, is there anything sort of yeah. particularly alarming about oh, having oh, Buddy super quick in your side these days? Oh, I think if he's bowling 150, it's, it's useful, um, you know. But the thing is, he's got to get his variations right. And and at 8.13, he, he's just a little bit high in terms of um, of his economy. But he's he's taking wickets. He's taking seven at 17. So 
that's that's really what he's there for. And I don't mind it when you've got Southey and Bolt bowling so well at the top of the order, and the New Zealand spinners, Santner and, and Sodi, have been very impressive. You come back to Southey, though, again, and I, I guarantee if you said to most fans, you know, who do you think the best bowler's been over there? They'd probably say Santner, then they'd say Sodi, they might say Bolt, they might say Ferguson, but they wouldn't say Southey because they never do. But here he is. <laughs> he's bowled 14 overs in the four games. He's taken seven wickets at 12. At, at an economy rate of 6.35, mm. the best of the New Zealand bowlers. And um, he, he's been superb, and he and Bolt will be a real handful for Pakistan. And, and you'll know that um, that Baba and Rizwan at the top of the order are struggling. So again, a lot's going to depend on that. Also, the other stat that comes out of Sydney is that five out of six of the teams batting first have won the game. So obviously getting, getting in there and batting first, I think that's what New Zealand will look to do. Um, and, and to set Pakistan a total. But it, it should be absolutely fascinating, Mark. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, look, I do it, think it's it, it is the same pitch that New Zealand scored 200 on against Australia. You've just said it, five out of yep. six games of the team batting first. So clearly you do want to bat first. Um, if Pakistan, however, win the toss, they decide to bat, what, how do New Zealand approach this? I, I mean, how much discussion's gone into that? How much coaching's actually done in this area? And what is the strategy? Plenty, and um, well, I think the strategy is to pick up wickets. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I think when you see Baba, who is you know a very fine player, thirty nine runs at seven point eight, and a strike rate of sixty one, he is really struggling, and that that's unusual. And he is he's a key card for Pakistan. Uh, Rizwan similarly not having a great tournament at all. So you know, I think you're going to see Bolt looking to to move the ball back into the to the right-handed batsman, as he always does, to try and get through those defences, looking to to get uh, between bat and pad, and then pushing the ball away. He'll just he'll just do what he always does, but he will be looking to take wickets, and I think Saudi will be looking to nibble away outside off stump, and and they're very accurate and very. But that, but that also, you know, no one has really come down the pitch and tried to take to Saudi, and I wonder if Baba. And, and Rizwan just decide to chance their arm and think, right, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, yeah. But New Zealand will just look to do the same. And if, unless Baba and Rizwan can get out of this trot, then Bolt and Saudi should be able to get them off to a good start. But I just wonder about Baba. I just think mm. maybe, maybe he's got the chance to arm and, and, and come down the pitch to Saudi. Yeah, look, you mentioned it earlier that really the reason Pakistan are here is because the Netherlands sort of knocked out South Africa. So Pakistan, they probably go in feeling like they are underdogs. They've got nothing to lose. Does that give them advantage? Can they play with just maybe, uh, can they play a little bit more relaxed? Can they go in there and roll the dice perhaps a little bit more knowing that you know, perhaps they were a little bit lucky to be in the semi-finals. Well, well, that's really what I was saying at the outset. I think that's exactly right. And but, but again, it's one thing to do that, and it's another thing not to be crushed by the occasion. So, um, you know, if I was in Matthew Hayden's shoes and 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 coaching with Pakistan, the thing that's exactly the freedom I'd be wanting them to play with. But gee, we're lucky to be here, and isn't it fantastic? Bags were packed. Then we had to run pack them, and here we are playing in a semi-final at, at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think that. If they can get into that mindset, I think that makes Pakistan very dangerous. You know, Pakistan that plays without care uh, and with a freedom of mind is as dangerous as any side in world cricket. But if they go out there and Baba fails and, and Rizwan the same, then they're suddenly back in a semi-final and playing under a lot of pressure. So I, I do think it'll be interesting. As I say, they are conservative. You know, they've got they've got a lot of talent, but we haven't seen their spinners bowling at the top of the order. It's been all pace. 
and been quite predictable. So, you know, again, what, I would what, just what wonder. It, would it surprise you if they opened up with spinners, seeing what Sri Lanka did to us, Matthew Hayden well, coming in here, looking at this New Zealand team, looking at how dangerous they can be? I mean, Brendan McCullum's weakness, I think, was always slow bowling, spin bowling, and yet no one yeah. ever seemed to quite figure that out, and he'd just take pace attacks apart. And so would it surprise you to see Pakistan open with spinners? Well, it would surprise me because they haven't done it so far. So that you know, and I and again, but that would be a sign to me if they do that and they bother left the, the you know the right arm leggy and the, and the finger spinner left armer, then then that would be uh, that, that's exactly what I would do if I was uh, uh, you know fortunate enough to be coaching Pakistan. But uh, you know, it, it's, um, that that's precisely what I would do mm. because I'd want to see Allen and Conway tested against high quality spin bowling, and they've got a couple of very good spinners. Um, I, you know, again, it'll be the first time they've done it in the tournament if they do it tonight. If they do, uh, then, then good on them. I think they should. If they don't, then I think they've missed a the trick. 24 minutes after 7, you're listening to SENZ. Cricket commentator Garth Galloway is my guest on the programme. Garth, just before we do let you go, just quickly looking to tomorrow, England take on India. Um, yeah. do, do, you, do you have a preferred winner here? Do you have a, if New Zealand were to get through to the final, do you have a, a preferred opponent? Uh, probably India, I guess. Um, only because I thought England played well against New Zealand in the preliminaries. And, and again, uh, I mean, completely different game, but Test Series over there recently where we lost. Um, and in England, I thought a much better side against New Zealand in the round robin. So um, I guess I, I wouldn't mind seeing us chancing our arm against India. I think either side will be, you know, I, I, I do think these four sides are quite unusually um, equ- equally matched, Mark. And I don't see, mm. you know, I, I suppose, um, you know, the Indian spinners could be a, a bit more difficult for New Zealand. I suspect actually that New Zealand would probably rather play England and just back themselves to get up against them. Um, because I don't think England's spin bowling mm. options are quite as good as India's. And that, that's probably mm. the difference, I think. Okay, just before I do let you go, and I'm just going to change tack completely here, Garth. I'm going around knocking on my do- mates' doors and trying to raise $4 billion to buy Liverpool Football Club. You, you haven't got a bit of cash lying around to sort of buy yeah, some I'll shares buy some and shares. contribute? I'll, yep. I'll buy some shares. Yeah, yep. well, I, 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 gee whiz, and, and Tottenham took me in down the other day. That was good. Um, I, you know, things are turning, aren't they? I think, you know, we, we're, we're heading to Europe next year again, Mark. Nothing sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough old year. Can I just say one other thing? Though, yeah, sure, sure. Could I just acknowledge Kevin Hart? Um, yeah, yeah, no, well know, said, well said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I was just thinking about it. When I started commentating, Kevin was, you know, very much the, the voice of the Waikato. And um, he was, you know, rugby and cricket. He also did that rural show, didn't he, on Radio Sport? Yes, on, he did on uh, a Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he must have, and I think he used to drive up from Hamilton or he'd do it from Hamilton. But he was, Kevin was, um, you know, in the days where all of the provincial cricket was commentated ball by ball. He was a great enthusiast and, and had a long association watching Northern Districts cricket and, of course, Waikato rugby. And mm. he was a lovely man. And I just wanted to say, you know, he, he commentated at the same time that Dad did and then I overlapped a bit with him. We did a lovely four days with Kevin in, in Wellington at the Basin Reserve in about 1994 doing the Shell Trophy final uh, between Wellington and Northern Districts. And he was a lovely man. And I just wanted to send my love and very best wishes to the Hart family. Yeah, no, well said. And T. Garth and I was lucky enough to do a number of shows alongside of him and lucky enough to do a show one day out of um, uh, the stadium there in Waikato. And, um, you know, and then throw over and watch Kevin at work calling a Super Rugby game. And yes, well said indeed. Hey, look, Garth, look, enjoy tonight. Thank you for your time on the programme. Greatly appreciated as always.
Thanks, Mark. Nice to talk to you and, and uh, farewell. Fingers Cheers. crossed. Fingers crossed. 20, 27 minutes after seven, you're listening to SENZ. If you want to have your say on the cricket, you're feeling a bit jittery. You're looking forward to this? What I like about the T20 is that I'll be absolutely thrilled if we win it. Disappointed if we don't, but not super disappointed because it is a game of chance to a degree. So it's always going to be a little bit like a coin toss. Where I think losing a one-day game in a semi-final probably hurts a lot more. Um, losing a test match against Australia when you're in a position of victory or snatching defeat from the jaws of victory probably hurts a lot more. You're nervous? Can we beat Pakistan? How important is the toss, knowing that the team that bats first in Sydney has won five out of the last six games? 0800-150-811 is the number. It is 27 minutes away from 8 o'clock, counting down to ball-by-ball coverage. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott, bringing you all the coverage from 8.30 tonight as we count down to the T20 Cricket World Cup semi-final against Pakistan. Just had Garth Galloway on the programme. Your greatest moment in and around New Zealand cricket. The final of 2019, simply remarkable. Arguably the greatest one-day game ever played. We didn't win it, so some people might not agree with that, but the drama, the theatre, a bowl-off, a World Cup final, unbelievable, but we didn't win it. I still go back to the Test Series against Australia in 1985. Australia bowled out in their first innings, 179, New Zealand, 553 for seven declared. Australia then bowled out for 333. New Zealand won by an innings and 41 runs. The Australian batting lineup that day was Kepler Vessels, who played for South Africa and Australia. Andrew Hilditch, David Boone, Alan Border, Greg Ritchie, Wayne Phillips, who was the wicketkeeper, Greg Matthews, Jeff Lawson, Craig McDermott, Dave Gilbert and Bob Holland, Bob Holland, their spin bowler. The New Zealand team, Bruce Edgar, great side, John Wright, John Reid, what a player John Reid was, Martin Crow, Jeremy Coney, Jeff Crow, Vaughan Brown, Richard Hadley, Ian Smith were the players that batted. The other players in that side were Hadley, Martin Sneddon, and Ewan Chatfield. Hadley would take nine for 52. The 10th wicket, the 10th wicket in that remarkable innings by Hadley was caught Hadley, bowled Vaughan Brown. So he's involved in all 10 wickets, but Vaughan Brown got the wicket of Jeff Lawson to prevent Richard Hadley from taking 10 wickets in a match. What a side. What a series. Graham, good evening. Welcome. Yeah, great, great memories there, Mark. Yeah, Vaughan Brownie. I think he played first 15 rugby at Christ College with the Deans brothers and Jock Hobbs and that. Um, you, know, uh, you know, of course, he got in the New Zealand team, but I remember that catch. It went straight up in the air. It was like a real dolly catch. You know, yeah, it was. Richard Hadley. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also... And it was yeah, I, also, I, I think I also remember the great catch. It might have been, I'm just trying to remember, it might have been Reed actually catching 
Alan Border. It was one of the great, or it might have been Alan Border catching one of the New Zealand batsmen. Great catch, it slipped, whatever it was. Vivid, vivid memories of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I, yeah, I'll have to, yeah, no, I, I vaguely remember that. But yeah, that, that 85 series, yeah, obviously it wasn't there, but the wins in Brisbane and Perth, you know, um, well, especially the one in Brisbane, where Hadley and Crow got the hundreds and, was it a couple of hundreds and Hadley got the, what is it, 17 wickets or something. Um, amazing. I was at two games here in 84 against England and 87 against the West Indies and we beat them like two and a half in three days. You know, the West Indies side had Viv Richards and all them in it, you know, and Hadley was, not just Hadley, you and Chatfield, I remember, was man of the match in the 87 test. Mm. And, um, you know, he was, but Hadley the got old, a few the old, the old Nine Eye Express. Oh, yeah, him and Hadley uh, were a great combination because after, you know, because they, they, he struggled for an um, opening bowler with Hadley. Mm. He was so good, but he always had great, um, mm. you know, like Sneddon and all, and, and Chatfield and, and Lance Cairns, of course, who retired by then, but he'd been a big part of it. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have to be honest. So that, you know, that's a potpourri of memories for me. That, that, that Garth Galloway was talking about the '74. I was, I remember Dad went to that game when Glenn Turner got the mm. runs him and Ken Wadsworth was together. I think, you know, and then I remember '78 when they won against England at the Basin. Yeah, and that was against Botham and Jeff Boycott and all those guys. I mean, yeah, that Test cricket memories. I, I go, I'm along with Garth Galloway on that. You know, that yeah. that's real. There's history in that. That's well, the, you know, I, I always deep say, in history. That, that that should be the pinnacle for all New Zealand teams is to treat it like your Olympic Games. We need to do whatever we do when we get the opportunity in Australia. And we didn't take it a couple of years ago. Go over there with plenty of time. Get plenty of time used to their wickets. Take the squad. Make sure they go and match fit. Make sure they go and acclimatise and try and beat the Australians in Australia. Uh, just interesting going back to John Reid. I always remember Reid. He never had a particularly long innings with New Zealand. Like off his own back, he played just 19. Tests. Yeah, and that no. time he scored six hundreds, and he actually had an average of forty six point two eight with a high score of one hundred and eighty. He was also related right. to Bruce Reed, the famous Australian fast bowler, who was that sort of tall, lanky, uh, two yes, meters two meters three. Bruce Reed. He ended up playing twenty seven tests, I think, for Australia, and ultimately injured. Uh, injury sort of sort of forced his career to an end a little bit. But sort of Reed was the precursor uh, to that. Glenn McGrath era. That's right, yeah. Uh, John Reid, yeah, he died last year, I think. Well, yeah. Was, and Richard Hadley, it was out at West Mel, or sort of West, West, Western part, part of West, part of North, um, the southern sort of Canterbury area, Lincoln area, out there somewhere. No, no, but he was, um, he played for Auckland, and, you know, yeah, and he, he didn't play for a long time, but in that 85, 86 period, you know, he seemed to be. He got as many. He got more hundreds. You know, Martin Crow was around for a lot longer and was, you know, brilliant. You know, so good. But John Reid, yeah, he he and he could hang around and bat. But you know, and he could hit a ball too. He he, he wasn't flashy, but he knew how to um to accumulate. And yeah, very good player. I mean, it's just one of those careers. He wasn't around a long time, but he did. You know, he put himself in the. You know, and the uh, you know Don Neely's um, you know great cricket annuals, you know player of the years and all that. You know, and um, he was yeah he was up there and um, did a lot for cricket off the off you know after when he retired too. Yeah, but yeah, no, a lot of great memories in that and that 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 whole era. But yeah, I mean, good luck to the team tonight. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Pakistan are a 
you know, they're, they're a bit unpredictable. They, they're conservative in one respect, but they, as we know, they can turn it on, as we remember from yeah. 1992. I know it's been oh, talked look, about we, at nausea. We just have to go there and be You were there, of course. Yeah, where was that? Yeah, 92, I was actually. Yeah, night. no, I was, yeah. No, I remember sitting, oh, in, just remember sitting on the chair. I don't think I went to, I remember watching South Africa there with the guy Snell on the side. Um, and I oh, yeah. and I remember Richard. I think it was Richard Snell, was it? And I also um, Hansi Cronje was in that. Yeah, Hansi Cronje was in that side. And I remember going to watch South Africa at Eden Park, and I think it might have been against New Zealand. I didn't go to the first game against Australia where Crow scored the hundred, and there was that great run out from um, oh, Chris, Chris Harris. Harris. You know where I think he got David Boone from <laughs> Square Leg and just hit the stump side <laughs> on. Yeah, no, I've been lucky, actually, because I, I did go to the very first ever game of the Rugby World Cup as well. I remember leaving Mount Abbott Grammar School and walking through Eden Park at the Sandy Nimrodi and just to see Michael Jones score left of the upright. Oh, um, amazing. And the, but you could, it wasn't a sellout, the 87 Rugby World Cup. No, you could walk from, no. You could do the great migration from the Sandy Nimrodi end up to what was then the terraces. And, yeah, the, you know, I'm pretty sure that if you had a crowd shot of Kerwin scoring, you could pick us out. Yeah. No, well, that yeah, I remember watching that game on TV, and and Walker Nathan led the, he died not that long ago, but yeah, he, but I remember that yeah, because it was the opening game, and it was this people people thought oh it was Italy, and of course, but the tournament grew just by the fact that it, you know the momentum of the All Blacks, but and it was a great tournament, but yeah, mm. no, no, it is funny those crowds, yeah, you probably could find yourself, yeah, mm. <laughs> but that was yeah. Iconic moment, Jones scoring. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Graham, I'm going to have to move on. I've got. I'm just running out a little bit of time. I've got some commercial requirements. But thank you no, as always. Man. Thank you for always for phoning through. Uh, telephone numbers: oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. We count down to the T Twenty Cricket World Cup semi final. The Black Caps taking on Pakistan. We'll have live coverage um, from eight thirty here tonight. And of course, the game officially starting at nine o'clock. But if you do want to have your say, memories, great moments in New Zealand cricket, your finest moment, your great memories, love to hear from you. You can text us here on double eight double three. It is 14 minutes away from eight, just a text that's coming. That team in 1985 benefited from having a few warm-up games in Australia before the test matches. Sadly, these days, it's not the case for any touring team. No, that's what I'm saying. If we play Australia again in three tests, let's make sure we do tour properly have some warm-up games, get used to the conditions and give ourselves the best chance. Because I still think that is the pinnacle for us. I think that's still a pinnacle for any cricketing nation. Ask England, winning the series in Australia. Uh, Miles, good afternoon. Uh, good evening. Welcome. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Uh, firstly, my uh, best Black Caps moment is winning the inaugural uh, Test Championship. Nope, well that's said. My, that, that's my one. And the Black Caps will win tonight. I'm going to be positive and say they're going to win. Brilliant, Miles. I love your positivity, mate. Great. I hope you're right. I genuinely do hope you're right. I mean, I'd love us to win this. I think it's about time that... Look, I appreciate the Test Cricket Championship, but for maybe I don't appreciate it as much as you because it's still in its infancy and I perhaps yep. need to see a few more other teams win it or a little bit yep. more history in it for me to truly appreciate us being the inaugural winners of it. Yep. No, that's fair enough, Mark. That's fair enough. Anything else, Miles? How's Timaru? Uh, sorry? How's Timaru? Timaru's raining. It's raining Is now. It? That's Mark, no it's good, been mate. fine all day. It's been 20-odd degrees uh, today, and, and now the rain's come, which yeah. is not a bad thing because it's been there's some very good weather. So um, as long gonna... as it doesn't rain on Saturday night for the, for the women's final, yeah, that's w- what I'm more worried about. No, well, if it rains Saturday night, I think the English will just play us through the forwards and beat us up. 
Um, exactly. Miles, exactly. Um, quick, uh, sorry, I was going to ask you, where are you watching the cricket tonight, Miles? Just at home or? At home, at home, yep, 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 yep. All right. yep. yep. No, well, thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you for phoning. That's all right, Mark. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, 0800 150 Hey, I, I mentioned earlier too to Garth Galloway, my other fine me- memory, I always vividly remember this, was New Zealand beating England in a test in England for the first time, 1986. We still lose the series 2-1. Uh, England 256 and 230, New Zealand 413 and 77 for two. The England first, the England lineup that day was Graham Gooch, Martin Moxon, Bill Athey. I don't remember Athey so much. Always remember David Gower, Mike Gatting, Derek Pringle, John Embry, Phil Edmonds, Greg Thomas. Don't don't remember him so much. Bruce French, and then Gladstone Small. Gladstone Small was that um, player that almost appeared like he had no neck. And a very good one-day player as well. The bowling lineup for New Zealand was Richard Hadley, Derek Sterling, Evan Gray, Willie Watson, Jeremy Coney, John Bracewell. Our top order was John Wright, Bruce Edgar, Jeff Crow, Martin Crow, Jeremy Coney. And then we got into Evan Gray as that sort of spin all-rounder. Uh, Richard Hadley, John Bracewell. Bracewell scored 110. Ian Smith out for two. Someone might want to ring up Smithy when he gets back and remind him of that. And then Derek Sterling, Batting at number 11. Great memories. You might have some. Text us. Double eight, double three. Jump on the phone. Love to hear from you. 11 minutes away from eight. Two of the finest at 8.30, bringing you the commentary of the T20 Cricket World Cup semi-final. Out of Wellington, Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty will bring you ball-by-ball action. We understand that it is a beautiful Sydney evening for the T20 World Cup semi-final. And, of course, the first ball to be bowled at 9 o'clock tonight. After 8, we will hear from Matthew Hayden, former Australian batting great, who's now mentoring this Pakistan team. His thoughts on Pakistan getting into the semi-finals and his thoughts on this New Zealand team as well. Also, just want to hear from you between 8 and 8.30, your favourite memory of New Zealand cricket. What is our proudest moment? For me, 1985, winning the Test Series in Australia. I will also go back to 1974 when we'd have first Test win over Australia in Christchurch in March of 1974. We'll run through both Australian teams. We'll also run through um, the New Zealand side. Uh, Glenn Turner scoring centuries in both innings. We also drew the first test. Was that a turning point in the history of New Zealand cricket? Yes, we've won the World Test Championship. Wouldn't it be great, though, to win the T20 Cricket World Cup? For Bolt and Southie, this is their fourth World Cup final. Remarkable. Does that mean they've got experience now? They've learned how to lose and therefore they now know how to win? Or is this a mental block? Can they get over the hurdle? Are the ghosts of 1992 going to come back and haunt New Zealand once again? We're in that semi-final of that Cricket World Cup at Eden Park. You felt that Pakistan snatched victory from the jaws of defeat with one of the great innings from the 19-year-old Inzamumul Huck. Looking forward to this one. We are set to go with our cricket coverage from 8.30 tonight. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. If you want to have your say, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. You can text your thoughts to the programme on 8833. Uh, Sing it out, people. Sing it loud if you want. I know you're all quiet closet Liverpool fans, and even if you're not, you know we've got the best song in all of sport. 
Uh, just oh, on that, I am taking donations. We're trying to buy Liverpool Football Club. $4 billion is what we need. $4 billion if you'd like to buy shares in it. Feel free. I'm not sure how we'll then raise the other $4 billion to pay for the players and keep pace with the likes of Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain and Newcastle and some of these other clubs that are owned by countries. Anyway, we are counting down to the T20 Cricket World Cup semi-final. The Black Caps taking on Pakistan at 8.30. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott will bring you ball-by-ball action. Yes, the velvet voice of the South African Grant Elliott. He's been in this situation before. He knows what it's like to play in a World Cup semi-final. I'll hopefully catch up just before 8.30 as well. Keen to know just how nervous will the players be. What we have been doing between 7 and 8 is just reminiscing a little bit about New Zealand cricket. It's been a strange history. We haven't had a great legacy, to be honest. It's got better in the last 10 years, without doubt. But what are your great memories of the New Zealand cricket team? Me, 1985, the Test Series victory in Australia, hands down, I think the finest moment in New Zealand cricket. Winning the World Test Championship, I think it just needs time to develop. I think it needs another 20, 30, 40 years to create a little bit of a legacy for me to maybe appreciate us being the inaugural winners of that. Dean's been waiting patiently on the line. Hi, Dean. Yeah, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm good too. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to tonight's game. From a a rugby background that enjoys watching cricket, personally, I'd like us to win the toss and bowl. Because of all these tournaments that we've talked about that we've done really, really well, we bet above our weight in every one of them. The bowlers have got us there, and the batters have let us down, bar this one. I think this one, the batters have actually done the job that they're there to do. And I think, for me, knowing what you've got to get and having Kane Williamson in the side to come in, if it doesn't work at the start, to make sure we get close at the end and if we're good enough, we're good enough, I'll be happy with that. If we bat first and he does 40 or 40 and there's five scoring shots and the rest of them are dot balls, we're going to get second. Dean, even though the last... Five out of the six previous games, the team batting first have won the game. You still would adopt your philosophy, which is an interesting one and completely respect you for it. Yeah, totally. I just think, I look at a bowling attack and I think it's the envy of everyone on the planet. And it has been for quite some time. And our batters in the last 10 years you've spoken about, they've been the ones that have let us down in all those finals. The bowlers have done their job and the batsmen haven't. Like Brendan running down the wicket, why didn't we bet we'll put Australia in then? I couldn't understand that. It was ECG, MCG chocker. Put them under pressure. Yeah, Give I, them a yeah, but, but I think sometimes at least you've got the runs on the board. I mean, you remember that one day World Cup final in 2019. What did we score? 240 runs, which by one day standards three or four years ago, most people wouldn't have thought was enough. But I always hear Brendan McCullum saying, don't underestimate 240 in a World Cup final when you've got the runs on the board. England still have to chase it. He ended up being 100% correct in that philosophy, um, you know, with what he said. Yeah, I, t- I mean, I, I've heard all that. I understand it. But I just, it's just me. Like, it's only my opinion. But I just believe runs like, if you've got scoreboard pressure and you're an international batsman and it worries you that much, shouldn't be there. Just go out there and do your job. Like, see the ball, hit the ball. I know that sounds easy and it's a lot harder to do. 
the spinners for Pakistan scare the bejesus out of me. Like, what South Africa were thinking, I don't know. But well, that's who we've got, and we've got to do the best we can. So I just, especially with their spin attack, I don't know what the deck's like over there that we're going to play on. I wouldn't have a clue, but I just think put them in, get them out for whatever we get, or just whatever they get, let's try and get it. Yeah, no, well said, Dean. Do appreciate your call tonight. Enjoy the game. Live ball by ball coverage from 9 o'clock. We will throw it over to the Velvet Voice, which is Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty at 8.30 tonight. They'll bring you that half an hour lead up. Of course, Grant Elliott's been there. He knows all about the pressure. He knows what's going on inside that New Zealand camp, what's at stake, how you need to play it. Um, and let's just hope we do get off to a good start. Let's hope that we do win the toss and then we can make that decision. But history says in this tournament, bat first and there's a good chance you will win this game. Telephone number is 0800 150 is the number. If you would like to phone the programme, we do have some audio here from Matthew Hayden, uh, the Australian great who these days is in a mentoring role with the Pakistan team. And let's be honest, I think Pakistan thought they were packing their bags and heading home. Suddenly the Netherlands upset South Africa. They find themselves in the semi-final. They go in with nothing to lose. Does that give them the advantage? They don't have to necessarily overthink this. Is the pressure on Pakistan or is the pressure on New Zealand? Let's hear from Matthew Hayden. Jadab actually said something very significant in the dugout the other day when we were playing our last match. And uh, he said, welcome to Pakistan cricket. (laughs) Meaning that on any given day, anything can happen. And on that particular day when Netherlands beat South Africa. It was a significant moment for us in the tournament um, and a very, very significant moment um, for the team in general around its potential and reaching that potential. Um, Lots of prayers as Pakistan woke up to see that result. 232 million people can't be wrong. And uh, as a result of that, I feel that there was a very much an uplifting tempo in our group, um, which made that match against Bangladesh almost a certainty for Pakistan. So incredible experience. And as you say, rightly, it has been a roller coaster ride, uh, but a ride that I wouldn't have in any other way because the last World Cup that we went into were undefeated and then Australia pipped us in the semi-final. So um, really significant for Pakistan. You know, one of the great parts about media is that uh, all of us, players, support staff, we all understand the importance and significance of, of campaigns. And 92 was a memorable one for Pakistan cricket. Um, it was also a tournament that was plagued by the by the uh, the nuances of Pakistan cricket, and that is that there's not just a dominant performance. There's there's a performance, you know, that gets challenged, and then Pakistan suddenly turn up and they're dangerous and formidable. Um, and that tournament was exactly that. I can remember remember watching that actually from you know the bleachers uh, just as a fan and thinking Pakistan cricket with that fast bowling attack. Uh, and that batting lineup is something that we really have to look out for as Australian cricketers. Um, and as it turned out, so did England. So, you know, it was a wonderful campaign. And, and of course, you know, those forefathers of cricket, um, a lot of these players, they grew up admiring, watching, looking at the way that they played, um, and then hoping one day that they could also be great like that side was. Yeah, the Australian team's got some thinking to do. Um, there has, there has to be some freshness. And, and I think one of the great strengths of Australian cricket has been its ability to be able to recognise when to make that gear change into a different playing roster. Um, I think full credit and respect has to go to the players that played this tournament, certainly deserve to be there. Um, but a little bit like Mark Wall giving away to someone like myself after World Cup campaigns, it's always been quite ruthlessly preparing for the next 
World Cup. And they seemingly come around more often than not now. Just 12 months ago, we were sitting here talking about the T20 champions, and that was Australia. Here we are again with, on the eve of another semi-final. Um, so the tournaments are coming around thick and fast, but certainly from an Australian cricket point of view, there has to be some planning heading towards World Cups. They're the premium events. They're the events that everyone across the world plans for. And Australia, unfortunately, just didn't get it right. Look, this match, they played against Australia and they got 200 on this particular wicket, actually. Um, and Dev Conway was, you know, incredibly destructive during that, uh, that particular match. Um, and Australia capitulated, bowled out for 111. So clearly when you have a, a big batting effort, and I think New Zealand have some really destructive uh, players, um, you can be put under pressure with the bat. Uh, and that almost was their perfect game, I felt, in the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, some, you know, huge balance. And they've also got a terrific bowling attack, a well-balanced bowling attack, um, a good mixture of experience as well. I mean, I even played against Tim Southey. That goes to show you how much experience that, that Tim has got. Um, but again, he turns up, he can swing the ball. Um, Lock Ferguson has got great pace, lots of experience in T20 cricket as well. So poses good threats. And then they've got good off-pace bowling as well. So, you know, I think like New Zealand sport in general, um, it, they they really punch above their weight. They believe they can win this tournament and they've got the potential to do that. So lots of threats you know, to our camp, no question. No, I don't think specifically there's relevance um, other than it's always nice to have the rubber, the green um, on a cricket team. Um, look, really, it comes down to, Glenn, just that sense of belief and that purpose. You know, And T20 cricket has a, a wonderful way of, of creating a roundabout where you get spat out the wrong side of it because someone's had a fantastic day. Um, it's one of the few versions of our sport where it's not just a test of, of uh, skill sets under pressure, um, but it's also a test of innovation. And I think New Zealand have really you know, shown some wonderful innovation you know, through the course of this tournament and for the last number of years, you know, narrowly um, missing out also in the last World Cup. So lots of threats for us, as I said, but on the day and any given day, there can be one star player that can take it away from you, which is rare. Um, in the other formats of the games, you've got to have multiple contributions. Yeah, well said, Matthew Hayden. And that is the key to it, isn't it? One player can take it away. We've seen Bevan Conway do it. Who will be that player tonight? I've got a feeling we'll need probably three or four. It is 11 minutes after eight. You're listening to SENZ counting down to live ball-by-ball coverage of tonight's semi-final of the T20 Cricket World Cup. Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty bringing you the coverage from 8.30 tonight. If you've got some thoughts, you want to share your memories, highlights in the history of New Zealand cricket for you, telephone numbers 0800 150 811. You can text us here on double eight double three. I've been very lucky. I've travelled around the world a lot. I've been to the Leaning Tower of Pisa in 1980. I was lucky enough to actually climb the 290-odd stairs. I've been to the Eiffel Tower. I've been to the Taj Mahal. But on the 8th of December, I'm flying to Wellington to watch Guns N' Roses. But more importantly, I want to check out the cable car and the bucket fountain. It's been sold to me by my two next guests, Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty. Evening to you, boys. Welcome. What Watto. How are you? Good day, Waldo. We are good. How's the bucket fountain, boys? Oh, it's resplendent. It's magnificent. It's about 24 degrees in the bucket fountain today. No one's stolen a bucket recently <laughs> for a while, which is good. Yeah. No, because that can often happen down Cuba Street. <laughs> Most of it, I don't get down Cuba Street nearly enough, Grant. You would. But yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, Suited up down yeah. down Cuba. Are, are you boys off to Guns N' Roses at all? I'm flying down purely for it to catch up with some mates. Looking forward to it. Now, last time I went to Guns N' Roses, um, oh no, it was ACDC actually, 
Um, I wore a, a nice little mullet, uh, one of those fake wig mullets. What a! It was a great day out. But I do know that the uh, the queue for uh, beers was massive mm. because the grounds, the curators didn't want the little plastic bottle tops to get stuck into the field because I think there was a cricket game shortly after that. And didn't want Grant Elliott. I probably did. didn't want Grant Elliott having an excuse. Um, Grant, you've been in the semi-final situation before. Just how nervous will the guys be? Will they be nervous? Is there enough experience now? I mean, I sell the bolt um, for World Cup finals now. Uh, I'd imagine they're accustomed you know, to this. Good good question. What I actually don't think they will be. I think this will just be another game. There's a lot of players in that team that have experienced a semi-final and not only semi, but a, a final. So I think it's more when we get to final stage because we've come unstuck in finals. That's when I think maybe you start thinking about it. But from my experience with the New Zealand team, and I think it's carried on since Brendan McCullum is captain, is they've been very consistent in their preparation. And irrespective of who they're playing or, you know, how big the game is, the preparation is exactly the same, and it's a very calm, consistent dressing room. Right. what about Pakistan? Are they going to be nervous? Considering they really shouldn't be here, um, if, if things went to plan, i.e. South Africa... Luckily, the uh, ICC don't book flights like the Rugby League World Cup <laughs> uh, because they would have had them on the next plane out. Yeah, well, I think their supporters had them on the next plane out when they lost to Zimbabwe. I mean, they narrow, narrowly lost to India in the first game, then lost to Zimbabwe the very next game. So you, you would have thought that they were out. So you're right, Daniel. Like the mentality of the players, they had almost checked out and gone, oh, well, you know, our tournament is done. And that's not the case so they've probably tasted defeat in a way so will they turn up and be overawed by the semi-final or will they turn up and play the aggressive brand of cricket that they played against South Africa I hope it's the latter because if New Zealand turn up and play the brand that they played against Australia on this very same pitch on the very same field and Pakistan turn up and play an aggressive brand I think we're in for an absolute cracker of a game Daniel question for you Pakistan, uh, look, we saw how effective the spin bowlers were against, well, how effective the Sri Lankan spin bowlers were in terms of opening the bowling against New Zealand. There's maybe a lesson in that for Pakistan. Could you see them using Sharab Khan early on? I think they should certainly uh, consider that, or Mohamed Nawaz. Uh, uh, Ahmed can also bowl a little bit of, um, you know, off spin. They're not going to, though. Um, it would seem to me because they have a set plan. They're a pretty consistent bowling lineup, Grant. And, you know, Shaheen Shah Freddie, you've got to give him the new ball. Um, and uh, Nazim Shah and Harris Ralph generally coming right in behind. It seems worked for them. But, but I know where Mark's going with this with Finn Allen. Devin Conway's looked a little bit out of sorts once they've started to use slower bowlers inside the power play. Yeah, I, one for Pakistan. I must admit, I don't think I'd use Shadab Khan. If I did, it would just be for one over. But I, he doesn't really bowl in the power play that much, Shadab Khan. If there was someone who I know does bowl in the power play, it's Muhammad Nawaz. So Nawaz is left arm spin. And the matchup there would potentially be to try and get Allen out, try and buy a wicket. We saw what happened to Ireland, though, the other day. They bowled brilliantly to Conway and Allen. And then suddenly... They, they tried the little Hail Mary and brought on their leg spinner Delaney in the fourth over. And um, I think from memory, he went for about 16. So he got taken to the cleaners. So it can change momentum, but it can also buy you a wicket. If you do deploy the, um, the spinner, it should be in the first over, first or second over. You try and buy a wicket in that over, try to get ahead of the game. 
um, because you know that someone like Fennellan might want to try and take them on. And you're not taking Shadab Khan out of the middle phases of this game. No. He's been so affected. I think he's picked up 10 wickets over the last four games. Mm. He, he's a huge weapon, and New Zealand have been so very good at actually pre- uh, preserving wickets through the middle overs. that They've hardly lost wickets throughout this tournament. Yeah, that's going to be a very important period. That um, what is that that middle period? I think how both teams counter the spin of Nawaz and Chadab, and uh, for New Zealand, obviously Ish Sodi and uh, Mitch Satner, because that's almost been the glue. It should be a fresh wicket. It shouldn't be a turning wicket. So that's a positive. Um, and we know that New Zealand love playing pace, and that's why I say I think that spin through the middle is going to be a crucial part of the game. Okay, if we lose Finn Allen early and we want to get off to a positive start, we want to play very much. Oh, that's it, not positive, Water. No, no, but I'm just saying, no, but from a batting point of view, if we were to lose Finn Allen early playing positively, would you change the batting order around and bring and maybe bring in Glenn Phillips ahead of Kane Williamson so that you can perhaps instigate instigate the initial plan, which is, I get off to a great start. Well, this is a conversation that Daniel McCarty and I have been having for the last three weeks and ever since... Six months. (laughs) Yeah, ever since that tri-series. And, you know, since Finn Allen started opening the the batting and we said we need to actually record it and just have it on loop. But when when Allen gets out, exactly what you said, we we believe that, you know, someone who's going to be striking the ball, so Glenn Phillips is the perfect man to go in, and if Conway gets out, well, then Williamson goes in. And I think fortunately for us now, like I've just watched Kane Williamson in the last couple of games, saw him training the other day, training video, and he does look like he's got some sort of nick behind him now. He got 40 or 40 balls. He got that 60 against Ireland and then obviously a 50 or 30 balls against Pakistan in the last game here at Hagley Park in the Tri-Series. So I just feel that Williamson is back, which is a real positive. Um, and, you know, uh, they won't change things. I know this team, Gary well, said, the thing. they'll like, just I, be consistent and do the same. I, I think the idea has a lot of merit. I yeah. think it's a redundant conversation, though, because they're not going yeah. to. Okay. Okay. No. All right, yeah. boys. So, yeah. and, and do we lose the game if we don't bat first? Five out of six, the previous games have been won by well, the team batting first. Is it that simple? Is it, well, does the toss mean that much? Oh dear, Grant, that reminds me of 2015 at the MCG when I was first pumping <laughs> around the concourse at the G after winning the toss. <laughs> oh, I don't think you take too much into the, the toss because it's a fresh wicket, it's a semi-final, and I think you know it's anyone's game. But I always say this in big games. I say the team that has the most experienced players that stand up on the day will be the team that win. And you look towards your leaders, you look towards your experienced players. So in New Zealand, you're looking towards... I guess De- Devin Conway is an experienced player now. Kane Williamson, uh, Tim Southey, Trent Bolt, um, and Mitchell Satner. I- I'll say this. If Pakistan win the toss bat first, they're not going to get 200. That's not in their nature, is it, Grant? No. New Zealand got 200 against Australia. New Zealand can, if everything breaks right. Uh, Pakistan are a side who's bat- batting sort of been middling, but a score of 160 is a huge one against that bowling attack. Mm. Oh, 160 in a um, in a semi-final is runs on the board. I think you know you go you go 160 plus, and the anxiety meter yeah. just goes up a notch or two.
All right, gentlemen, we'll let you get ready. We'll let you get ready for your call. Looking forward to bringing you live coverage. Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott with you from 8.30 tonight here on SENZ. First ball to be bowled at 9 o'clock. If you've got any questions, you can probably fire them into the boys on double eight double three, and maybe in that first half an hour period, maybe they can address some of those questions for you um, and do appreciate their time. They'll go away through their warm-up protocols. Mummy, moo, memo, mummy, moo, memo. I'm not sure what their warm-up protocols are. I've got one, but you get it wrong and you probably get taken off here. Mrs. Hunt went punting on a rough cut punt, not a punt cut, rough, but a rough cut punt. See, you don't want to get it wrong if you say it really quickly. All right, we are pretty much done and dusted uh, for this particular part of the show, but certainly looking forward to that ball-by-ball coverage. Somebody just texted in, Mark, you mentioned Gladstone Small. Reminded me of that horrific injury he incurred when bowling at the Basin Reserve. I think he dislocated his knee in his delivery stride. By the way, Bill Athey, yep, uh, also in the English side we beat over there. Played a few seasons of club cricket in Auckland. That comes from JD. Thank you, JD. Uh, ben Francis, thank you. Thank you to Garth Galloway. To the New Zealand radio audience out there, settle back, enjoy all of this. Hopefully tonight we have another great moment for New Zealand cricket and they get themselves into another ICC Cricket World Cup final. Up next, Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott, bringing you a ball-by-ball coverage of the T20 Cricket World Cup semi-final. New Zealand taking on Pakistan.